leading a startup team, whether you're delivering a sugar rush, stocking coffee, or getting a regular delivery of snacks, Office Depot has solutions that fit every startup culture, from getting those first business cards and stationery to ordering fleece pullovers with your new logo. To learn how Office Depot and the California Technology Council have partnered to bring you savings on all of these startup essentials and more, go to californiatechnology.org forward slash member benefits. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. Intensity Therapeutics argues that cancer is both a micro and macro disease. Therapies need to act at the site of tumors, but they also need to treat the systemic effects of the disease that results from micrometastases. Intensity is developing cancer therapies that are delivered directly into tumors, but also stimulate the innate immune system to address the more systemic effects of cancer. We spoke to Louis Bender, CEO of Intensity, about the company's platform technology, how it enlists the innate immune system in the battle against cancer, and the thinking behind the company's approach. Alou, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you for the invite, Danny. I appreciate the uh, time and the ability to speak about intensity therapeutics. Well, we're going to talk about intensity, your your platform technology to deliver chemotherapeutic agents directly into tumors, and how this can be used to stimulate the immune system to fight cancer outside the targeted tumor. Perhaps we can begin with the thinking behind intensity's approach to treating solid tumors. Can you explain why you say cancer is both a, a regional and a systemic disease? What, what do you mean by that? Right. So I'll give you a little bit about my background. I'm a chemical engineer by training, and I think about uh, cancer, or I thought about cancer from a physics perspective as opposed to a biological pathway perspective. Uh, so the idea being um, if you can uh, solve the three, as I saw it, three problems of cancer. One is, as you noted, tumor is a regional, so you, uh, cancer is a regional where you see large visible tumors. But it's also very much a systemic disease, especially in uh, late stage when there's been a lot of uh, cells shedded from the original tumors. They've migrated. Some you see, some you don't see, many you don't see. So from the first uh, perspective that I had this idea was, how do you treat both the large and the small that you might not even have? Um, second problem from a physics uh, perspective was how do you attack tumors when um, there's regions of those tumors that are uh, don't have a lot of blood vessels. So you have these very large uh, organisms sort of growing in you, and you can't reach them when you give drugs systemically. And the third, uh, you know, reason that I, the third problem I saw in current therapies, this is about seven years ago, was the um, immune therapies were just coming into play. And the immune therapies basically just turn up the immune system in various ways or downregulate the immune system in, in various ways. 
the problem is that the the cancer needs to be recognized by the immune system for those turned up or down regulated uh, entities to be effective and the um, recognition to me was the problem so what I thought of was if we can and this is why I was in the drug delivery business for 14 years prior to um, a couple of the jobs ago I thought well if I could uh, attenuate the tumor in place without damaging the way it looks potentially I could get better immune recognition. So we could not only debulk the tumors with a highly diffusive formulation of uh, these uh, anti-cancer agents, but we could also potentially stimulate an immune response to go after the first problem, which is the small unseen metastases. So I thought we could uh, attack the cancer both systemically by getting the immune system engaged and also um, directly by using this technology I developed for diffusion throughout tumors. Uh, you have a platform you call Diffuse RxSM. What is the That's platform? Correct. So we have identified a uh, molecule, so I call them cell penetration enhancers. They're very unique in that they are soluble in both fat and water. So a tumor, when you think about it, is really, you know, it consists of uh, proteins, fibrins, fat, and water. The cells are, you know, got these lipids, these are fat. And so if you could saturate the tumor with potent anti-cancer agents, you could kill it. So Diffuser RX is using these molecules that are soluble in fat and water. They bind non-covalently to the target drug we're trying to deliver. And they allow for a temporary effectiveness where the drug becomes soluble in fat and water. So there's a diffusion when you inject directly into the tumor. You just move the drugs throughout the entire tumor. We dose based on the tumor volume. So in chemical engineering, there are laws of physics that govern how diffusion is done. And so by using these unique molecules, in formulations co-formulated with these anti-cancer agents, not just chemotherapy, not just chemotherapeutics. Actually, it works with a whole different a number of classes. You can completely saturate a bulky tumor, killing it very quickly. And by killing it so quickly and so thoroughly, you give time for the adaptive immune system to come in and recognize it. So the Diffuser RX is the first step to kill directly, but then by the mechanism of some of the drugs that we use and some of the other things we do, it gives the immune system the opportunity to come in and recognize it. So when we inject into one tumor, what we see in mice and now in humans is the ability to regress and kill tumors that we did not inject. So it has the ability to both kill directly and stimulate to kill indirectly. very interesting. Uh, and what, what, what is people. actually activating the adaptive immune system or allowing the immune system to recognize tumors separate from the ones you're injecting? Is it, is it just knocking down the defenses of the cancer? Well, you know, the innate immune system, um, which is what, you know, a lot of the uh, new immunotherapies are really trying to stimulate, the innate immune, the adaptive immune system is sort of like, you know, how vaccines, how vaccines work. You give something that looks like the virus, in, in the case of a vaccine, like polio virus looks like polio virus. Uh, polio vaccine looks like polio virus, there's some subchains of it. And what, it, it, what happens is the immune system now comes in and, and starts to recognize it. So when we take the cancer 
and we can attenuate it in your body. It's your cancer. It's whatever your cells have mutated, however your cells have mutated, uh, but we do not damage the cell surface of those dead cancer cells. So now you have something that looks exactly like the cancer, but it's attenuated because it actually is the cancer attenuated. And by killing so much and so thoroughly, we create very, very good recognition patterns for your innate and adaptive immune system to come in and clear out the cancer. And when the adaptive immune system comes in, it goes through this process where now it can have a long-term memory and, re and rem remember what the cancer is. So it hunts down, because the adaptive immune system is a systemic immune approach, it hunts down the either small unseen metastases or the bulky um, you know, the metastases that are, are not injected by our technology. There's been an important trend in cancer treatments, uh, a move towards profiling tumors to select drugs that target the underlying molecular mechanism of a particular patient's cancer. How do you determine what medications to use? Is it agnostic to tumor types, or are you looking at specific cell types in, in your approach? Well, so that's a very good question. So we chose, when we did our screening and to develop this first-generation product, we chose agents that if they got into the cancer cell, uh, regardless of the pathway, they were going to kill it. Uh, the two agents we use, one is a cisplatin. A cisplatin is a very well-known, used in many, many tumor types. It's an agent that binds to the DNA of the cancer cell, and by twisting the DNA of the cancer cell, it tells the, the cancer cell to blow itself up. It causes an apoptotic response. The second agent we have in this formulation of our first product is a vinblastine. Vinblastine is another agent that will get into the cell of the can when it, when it gets into the cell nucleus of the cancer or the cancer center, it will shred the tubulin. So our formulation of our drug, the drug has a, doesn't have a brand name, it's INT. Uh, 230-6, when that formulation is injected into the tumor, the powerful uh, anti-cancer agents hit the DNA and hit the tubulin to stop replication and, and kill from the inside. But the surface of the cell is intact because we're just diffusing gently across the cell surface. We do not disrupt the cell. We're not wiping it away. So now you see all those cell surface proteins are still there. The tumor just, the cancer cell is just dead. And when the immune system starts to come in, it can recognize the cancer now as foreign and create the necessary um, uh, T cell or antibody response to go after it. Your therapies are direct, are injected directly into the tumor. Uh, you mentioned earlier that the dosing is dependent on the size of the tumor. Uh, I, I take it in most cases people are dosed on their weight rather than the size of the tumor. What's the That's advantage right. to doing this, and does the are, are there safety issues, or does this mitigate safety issues of the toxicity of, of chemotherapies? Right. So that's a, that's a great question. It's one of the benefits of our technology. Um, uh, when you inject, when you give drugs systemically, they go everywhere. They hit not only the cancer, but they, you know, they hit all fast dividing cells. A lot of a lot of these agents. So your hair falls out. You get uh, fast dividing cells in your gut. So you get nauseous. You can't eat. You lose weight. By injecting directly into the tumor and by treating the tumors and not the whole patient, we can. Um, uh, retain the drug where it needs to be, which is in the tumor. 
So we dose, we can dose less. The drug will not go into the systemic circulation, and you see a significantly large number of uh, uh, patients having almost no toxicity whatsoever. When we've done our study now, we have not seen a single uh, severe uh, adverse event related to the drug. Uh, most of the drug from our uh, kinetic studies, are, 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 are when we measure them, most of the drug, 90% of what we've dosed, is um, staying in the tumor because we're only measuring 10% of it in the blood. And then these two agents are very unique in that they're very quickly deactivated once they're inside the cancer and the tumor. So we're seeing almost uh, very little. We've seen no hair loss, no nausea. Uh, well, we've seen nausea and vomiting, but very mild, very transient, uh, in only at higher doses. And so the patients don't have these terrible uh, side effects that you normally see with systemic uh, chemotherapy. We, we, we really don't see it. We concentrate in the tumor. The drugs stay there. The drug kills the tumor. And then the patients, uh, we're seeing some increased in systemic uh, T-cell responses based on uh, the, the blood work we've done. So we're, we're hoping that we're getting the uh, adaptive immune response. We have seen... Uh, when we've injected patients into some tumors, we've seen uninjected tumors in the lung and other places go away or shrink significantly. So we do believe we are seeing the first signs of, of what's called an upscopal effect, where we're dosing locally, but we're acting globally. Given that you're, you're injecting directly into tumors, does that limit the indications for your drugs in any way? Uh, well, you know, if you were to talk to an interventional, uh, interventional radiologist, they will tell you they can get a needle just about anywhere in the body. We have dosed now in the clinic, we have dosed into the liver into, at four injections at the same uh, dosing, dosing day. We've dosed in the lung. We've dosed in the abdomen. We've dosed, um, obviously, at the superficial point. The majority of the patients we've now treated have received deep tumor injections. So the answer is... Because of the physics involved, these drugs diffuse throughout tumors. Uh, we believe we can treat solid tumors where there can be uh, a needle placed. And if you ask these doctors, they think they can get a needle anywhere. So right now we have uh, no limitations on solid tumors that we've identified. Uh, we even believe we can treat glioblastoma and brain cancers uh, with this technology, and we're looking to start uh, some uh, patients with uh, our therapy uh, that have those diseases, uh, glioblastoma. One of the things you're trying to exploit is the different nature of the membrane of healthy cells from the membranes of tumor cells. How, how do That's they right. differ, and, and how are you exploiting that? Well, that's a great question, too. So if you look at uh, a, a cancer cell, or they have to grow at a much faster rate than a healthy cell. Uh, that's, what, that's the nature of the beast. They also typically grow in environments where they don't have good nutrients. They don't have a lot of good blood vessels. So the way they overcome the, the, those two issues is by having a much more fluid membrane. It's well published that their membranes are sometimes 10 to 30 times more fluid than those of a healthy cell. So we designed our diffusion-based uh, products to diffuse into cancer cells and to avoid diffusion into healthy cells. Healthy cells generally have membranes that are much tighter uh, because obviously they get good blood flow and they're not growing as fast. Uh, so the drug itself, when we did our safety studies, we've seen that the drug goes into cancer cells 
if it doesn't get into the cancer cell or, or when we did our, to- our toxicology studies, it would go into the bloodstream and be in the bloodstream at low dose. So we are not harming, and now we've dosed, I think, 33 patients. We have not seen any real local systemic, uh, local toxic effects by the drug harming healthy tissue in, in, in patients and in animal studies. So the ability of the cancer cell to be much more fluid uh, to absorb from its environment is the exact Achilles heel, if you will, that we take advantage of to kill the cancer, spare healthy cells, and hopefully get these immune responses that can go and uh, create a long-term durable effect against the cancer. Well, take a step back for a moment. If you were to, to think about it, what would you say is the problem with the way cancer is treated today, and, and how does your approach address that? Well, as I said, well, you know, cancer today is, um, you know, it's moving to an immunotherapy base, but immunotherapy still is not uh, shown activity in what are called cold tumors, such as pancreatic or these other things. The reason why some tumors like pancreatic are so horrifically um, uh, damaging is because they almost have no blood vessels. And they're in parts of the body where they're just being uh, gobbling up the other organs, to, so to speak. So if we can inject directly into those tumors or if we can uh, inject into the metastases and cause an immune response, what we can see is a much more effective way of treating the, uh, treating the cancer patient. So we believe that um, cancer today is a systemic approach where you give the drug everywhere, uh, it's surgery plus chemotherapy in early stage, and it's chemotherapy plus this immunotherapies, which have not really demonstrated for late stage uh, cancers of many types uh, a large significant effectiveness. So by treating the tumors, converting them to an, a site for recognition by the immune system, we believe we can uh, get safer products, much more effective in multiple tumor types where um, most things don't work today. We seem to be moving toward immunotherapies in combination with other cancer agents. Why is your approach preferable? Well, if you look at um, typical anti-cancer, you know, systemic chemotherapy, that knocks back the immune system. So if you've got an approach that uses conventional chemotherapy approaches, uh, which go all over the body and harm the immune system initially, uh, that combined with immunotherapy is going to be somewhat less effective. What we do is we don't harm the immune system. We kill the tumor. The tumor now becomes very visible to the immune system. And so we believe that our approach, by using these kinds of agents to kill only the cancer and not have the side effects of systemic um, toxicities, will be a safer much more effective combination for immunotherapy than the current therapies are. You alluded to your lead experimental therapy, INT230-6. What do we know about INT230-6 to date, and what's the clinical path forward? And I, I think you're looking at 14 different indications for this drug. Well, we've we've tried this drug. We've attempted uh, to dose uh, 14 different cancer types in 33 patients. We're seeing excellent safety. We're seeing tumors uh, become necrotic. We're seeing tumor regression. We're seeing uh, uninjected tumors uh, uh, regressing as well. Uh, we've seen uh, very rare cancers uh, that are really have no therapy available to them, uh, such as this chordoma, which we've seen patients that have 
basically tried all sorts of therapies, uh, radiation, surgery, uh, chemotherapy, targeted therapy, immunotherapy, with no effectiveness in really slowing the progression of this deadly and slow-growing cancer. And we've shown in patients now where we've uh, been able to regress their tumors, uh, shrink their uninjected metastases, and uh, shrink their uh, tumors to the point where these patients are now stable, and we've done it with very minor side effects, maybe a little pain at the injection site, but we've been able to stabilize these very uh, challenging cancer types in patients um, uh, with benefits. So we believe that there's going to be um, a large number of applications for this. We're still exploring the dosing um, tolerability. We have not hit any maximum tolerated dose. We've had no dose-limiting toxicities in the study so far through the, uh, the number of patients we've dosed in all the different indications. So our goal now going forward, to answer your question on that end, is to get uh, some data in four or five uh, patients in a number of different tumor types, which we're now in the process of, of getting. We've gotten a large number of tumor types. Now we're trying to get more patients in each of those. And then we'll select uh, those cancers where we feel we have the best shot of getting a uh, product to the market, uh, getting, getting this product into the market, and, and go into more pivotal later stage studies like phase two and, and some registration studies. So, um, you know, it's very, very encouraging because, again, it's a physics problem. A cancer cell that's of, a, a, you know, a pancreatic has a lipid bilayer and it has a water core. Um, we diffuse through that. The same, as, same thing as lung. All cells have that kind of property where they have a, a lipid bilayer with certain proteins sticking out with water in the center. So there's no reason because we're not a biological-based approach we're a physics-based approach that we couldn't treat a large number of tumor types. And, and our drug works very, very synergistically in, uh, in combination with these immunotherapies. We've demonstrated that in, uh, in um, a lot of models. You, you run with a, a small team at, at your core. You recently raised a round of venture capital. How far will your financing take you? Well, you are correct, and the team is extremely small. Uh, we have, even at an accelerated burn rate now, enough capital to last us through the end of 2020. Uh, we, uh, we anticipate that we will start to enroll a significant number of patients. We're looking to uh, form some collaborations where we can uh, obtain a supply of some of these immunotherapies that we uh, think will be much more synergistic with us. So um, we have enough for uh, at our you know, even at a 40% higher burn rate to go for another, uh, I'd say, year and, year and three quarters. Uh, but clearly, if we start enrolling patients because there's being a lot of uh, benefit here, we would, we would probably seek uh, uh, additional sources of capital. And, and what's the business model? Is it to partner and eventually sell? Is it to build a, a fully integrated biopharmaceutical company? So when I started this company, I started it as you may know from my from my house, um, because of uh, friends dying of cancer, and I felt that uh, there there needed to be a different approach. Uh, my number one goal for everything that drives the way this company thinks is whatever is best for patients is the way we're going to handle the business. So if uh, our development efforts uh, to bring the mar uh, product to indications is uh, best done by us. Oh, that's the way we'll do it. If a big pharma company uh, wants to come in 
and uh, take control of this product or this technology, and they commit to bringing it around the world to patients that desperately need something that's going to benefit beyond what's currently available, then, then we will certainly consider multiple options to partner or sell to them. So uh, I'm going to do what is best and makes the best um, benefit for patients. That's the strategy I've always had, and that's what will drive our, uh, our strategic decision-making going forward. Lou Bender, CEO of Intensity Therapeutics. Lou, thanks so much for your time today. Danny, I appreciate the time to explain our uh, what I believe to be very exciting new approach to treating cancer. Thank you. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.